0: Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. Great to be here with you on this wonderful uh, Sunday or whenever you're watching uh, the stream today. It's Easter Sunday as I'm preaching this. uh, Resurrection Sunday. If you have put your faith in Jesus, we celebrate the resurrection power of Jesus every day. But there is something very special and unique about Easter Sunday, about Resurrection Sunday. So happy Easter to you. Uh, you may have heard the story, I've shared it before, uh, about the teacher who's you know teaching the four and five-year-old class about Easter. And she asked me, you know, what's special about today? What's special about Easter Sunday? And uh, one of the girls raises her hands and she's, she says, well, it's the day that Jesus stepped out of the tomb. And the teacher said, that's exactly right, good job. And, the, the child continued instead. and said, if, and if Jesus sees his shadow, he goes back in the tomb for seven more days. <laughs> Easter Sunday is not Groundhog Day. Just in case you're wondering, I don't know if that story is real, but I choose to believe that it is real. Okay, I love it. It makes me laugh every time. Easter is a, is a celebratory moment for us. It's celebratory this side of the story, mind you. Christians all over the world are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus defeated death. Jesus has defeated sin, but not just nebulous sin, not just this cloud of sin. He has overcome your sin. He's overcome my sin. And when you put your faith and trust in him, he takes upon himself, even now, retroactively, this, your sin upon himself. He died a death on the cross, not just for those watching, not just for the spectators in that moment, but for you and me as well. That's the power of Easter Sunday, the power of the resurrection. But, and we celebrate it. But those who were living in it, who were living through it, his disciples, his followers, oh, they would have felt a very different way regarding Easter. That Friday when Jesus was arrested and nailed to a cross, that Saturday when when Jesus is in the tomb, we're talking about despair and grief and devastation that they've never experienced before, not this magnitude. And so for them, we celebrate hope this side of Easter and this side of the resurrection. But for for the followers in the New Testament and reading as we read it in the Bible, oh, this first Easter would have felt initially hopeless. And what I love about Easter, more than, you know, Easter egg hunts and pastel colors and families getting together and eating Easter meals and ham and deviled eggs and all the fun things that we do on Easter Is that Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is a consistent reminder that with Jesus, we can always have hope. Easter is a reminder to have hope. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 27, verse 62. We're going to read the account a little bit of what happened with the disciples and and, and how things began to shift and turn around. Because if things can turn around for them in their hopeless situation, well, then the message of Easter rings true for us that in our dark days and in our difficult moments, the God who gave hope then is still the God who can give hope today. So here we are in Matthew 27. The next day, this is after Jesus has been put in a tomb, nailed to a cross, died, put in a tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, Jesus, is who they're, they're describing him as the deceiver. They said, after three days, I'll rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the tomb and posting the guard. Now, before we get to this moment in the life of the disciples, imagine what life was like for them just a few days prior, a week prior, two weeks prior. If you're a disciple, you your life—it's like. It's like you have arrived, okay? I mean, ministry is slamming right now. You have seen miracles that defy all explanation. You've seen shriveled hands. Been, they've been healed and made whole. You've seen lepers, their skin cleansed. You've seen blind eyes open, and people seeing, and they're rejoicing. You've been a part of some of the most dynamic preaching and teaching, and and, and the crowds are coming, and you're listening, and and you're amazed by it, as well as the people that are coming. And, And it's not just that there's a few people coming. You're talking crowds of thousands now showing up to see Jesus. And to see, might I add, You, oh, Jesus is the front runner, but make no mistake, his disciples would have been getting some notoriety. People would have known who they were. They would have known their names. We forget about this. And so celebrity and fame and and all the things are, are beginning to happen. And then as if it just couldn't get any better, they witnessed the greatest miracle probably in the life of Jesus, raising his friend, Lazarus, From the dead, who is in a tomb literally for three days. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And I mean, can you imagine the electricity in this moment? I mean, everything is going right. And while this is, it's a small, minuscule version of this, many of you have experienced, you know, moments at least where you just thought things just couldn't get any better, right? You finally got, you finally got the job, right? (sighs) Deep breath and you're making the money that you needed to make and, and you're paying all the bills and, oh, you know, it feels like my needs are, are, are getting met. Like this was my dream and I've got it. Some of you, you know, you've experienced getting married and you're at the altar and you're you're getting hitched and it's like, could things get any better? Or you're pregnant or you had a kid or, or whatever it might be, you moved to the city and you got your place, you bought your first house and you're just on top of the world. It's what we call cloud nine, right? And things just couldn't get any better. And then... Jesus is arrested on Friday. And Jesus, your mentor, your Lord, your prophet, your priest, your everything. The one who has little, who has been carrying your, your newfound dreams in the palm of his hand, this man is now dead, nailed to a cross buried in a tomb. And as if that couldn't get any worse, you're now afraid that you just might be next. You went from cloud nine to total devastation. And some of you know that feeling as well. You know what it's like for things to be going your way and you know what it's like when they're not. You know what it's like to be laying in bed And you can't even sleep because you're so stressed. You're so anxious. You don't know how you're going to pay your bills. You lost the job. Your marriage is crumbling. You lost. You're feeling this sense and feeling of profound loss. Because you lost someone that you love. And you feel devastated by it you're sitting awake or you're, you're literally trying to make it through the day but all you can think about is the child, the teenager, right that you love so much but you just you haven't been able to just get through to them. And all you want is for them to know how much you cared, how much you love them and how much you would do anything for them. but you just haven't been able to make make that, that breakthrough and you feel a sense of pain and a sense of loss. you feel devastation at the relationship or lack thereof it can be financial it can just it can be imaginary even right it can be abuse related it can feel like just helplessness like i said a marriage that just it just didn't make it And how do we feel in those moments? We feel despair. We feel grief. We feel devastation. Another way to say it is that we feel hopeless. And what Easter reminds us of, what the resurrection reminds us of, not only does Jesus overcome our sin, which is the greatest miracle of all, But this Jesus, he has overcome the world and all of the brokenness and all of the death and all of the pain and sorrow. Jesus has also overcome that. He brings hope to the hopeless. Miracles happen in the most hopeless situations. And that's what Easter reminds us of today you feel hopeless today? Maybe you don't. Praise God. And you're jumping out of your shoes. It's Easter Sunday, baby. Maybe you've come out of that season. Well, there's probably one coming at some point where you just feel grief and despair. What do you do? We cling to the hope of Jesus. Miracles happen. Miracles come forth. Miracles are produced in hopeless situations. And P.S., pst, that's what makes it a miracle. It feel, it's impossible. And How else can we explain it other than God moving? John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Jesus just appears in the room. He's risen from the grave. They've been talking about it. You know, there's a few people who said they've seen Jesus. There's been an account, but, but this is the first moment. Jesus shows up in the room, okay? The doors are shut. The doors are locked. People are still afraid. The disciples are afraid that they might be next. Peace be with you, Jesus says. It's <laughs> the last thing I would be feeling in this moment. And after he said this, he showed them his hands. He showed them his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. I find this interesting because Thomas is known as, as he's got a nickname in kind of church circles and Christian circles. In fact, your Bible might even say this Lily, doubting Thomas, right? Downing Thomas. And unfortunately, this is what he has become famous for in this moment. But I'm actually thankful for it because, once again, God uses the truth of how people would actually react and what people would really be doing. The Bible doesn't hide any of these things. And this is, I relate to Thomas in this moment. Thomas' Thomas's story is interesting because where, where Thomas is interacting with Jesus in the New Testament, we don't ever see Thomas getting rebuked or corrected. But we see Philip getting corrected by Jesus. We see Peter. We see James and John. We literally have James and John asking Jesus if they should call down basically balls of fire to burn people up right? Like that's how far off they are from the message of of love and reconciliation that Jesus is preaching and teaching. You've got Peter who is so full of himself. He's just thinking, he he thinks he's got it down, right? You've got Philip who's just kind of still a knucklehead at times and he's asking knucklehead questions. But then you have Thomas who in many ways is asking similar questions. We don't ever see him corrected in the same way. I find this fascinating, and in, in fact, you know, if, if you've ever played baseball or if you've ever coached little league, right? The, the smaller they are, the smaller the kids are. You know, you're not actually trying to strike them out. Coach pitch baseball is you. You're lobbing right the baseball to to the kid, and you're you're wanting them to hit it. So you're you're literally picking your pitches here. You're 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 lobbing this thing up like, okay, this is your moment to jack this thing out of the park. Right? And you're doing your best to get them a pitch they can hit. And what's interesting about Thomas, when you look at some of the questions, and if you know the Greek, Thomas asks Jesus a question, and then Jesus turns and instead of addressing Thomas, he addresses the crowd, he addresses the group of disciples. So you have an individual person asking Jesus a question, and then Jesus uses that opportunity to speak to the masses from it. It's almost as if Thomas is lobbing a softball to Jesus. Right, we see this with Thomas, and this is more than one interaction that we have with Thomas and Jesus, where it's like he's lobbing him one, as if he already kind of knows the answer. He's on the inside. Let me ask you this question, Jesus: What what would you say to this? And and he's just kind of floating it out there, waiting for Jesus to hit the grand slam. And Jesus is going to hit this one out of the park. Thomas is the one who sets up the question, where Jesus answers in the most prolific manner, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, where he looks at, at his disciples, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How did we even get to that conversation? Thomas just floats it right out there to Jesus. Jesus, what do you think about this? Hmm, interesting. <sighs> Home run. And so we see, we see these interactions with Thomas, and then Jesus is nailed to the cross. He's died. He's put into tomb. And Jesus appears with all the disciples who are gathered in a room. But who's not there? It's the only one. It's Thomas. Thomas is devastated. Not everyone. Make no mistake about it. Everyone is devastated. But you ever have that feeling? You ever have that devastation where you just, the grief, thats you don't even want to talk to anybody. You just want to be left alone. I know that feeling where I don't wanna see anybody. I don't want anybody trying to encourage me. I don't want Mr. Positivity trying to lift my spirits. I am in despair, I'm in pain. Leave me alone. I know what it's like to not wanna read my Bible. I know what it's like to not wanna go to church. I know what it's like to not want to sing a worship song because I'm mad or I'm hurt or I'm upset or I'm in despair. I know what that is like. I know what it's like to be angry at God and to be wondering, where are you? Why didn't you show up? And you're hurt about it and you're you're broken on the inside and your situation feels hopeless. I have great news for you. And I mean it in the most Hopeless of situations. With Jesus, there is still hope. And even when you're not for Jesus, he's for you. The Bible reminds us that even while while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Meaning when you contributed nothing, Jesus still came and met you. And, And still, even in these moments today... In 2022, there are moments where you are still contributing nothing. And you're hurt. And your situation's hopeless. And you don't feel like worshiping and praying and seeking and asking. You don't feel any of that. I have great news for you. Jesus is still pursuing you. And your situation is not hopeless. Jesus gives hope. To the hopeless. So here we find ourselves, Jesus, or excuse me, Thomas, you know, he he finally gets I'll paraphrase it. He gets he gets in the room somehow with the with the disciples. You know, maybe they're grabbing lunch together at some point or or having a meal, and, and he's been hearing about what happened. He's the only one who didn't see Jesus and hear Jesus. But what he's famous for saying in his despair. And in his grief, out of his mouth, he says, I'm not going to believe that this is true. In fact, unless I see the, the, the nails in his hands and I put my fingers in his side and I and I see this Jesus, unless I see that, I'm not going to believe he's now now he's he's become his pain has has produced almost a, a wall. And you know what that's like as well when when, when you, you've almost just become calloused, right? And now you're digging your heels in. That's Thomas in this moment. I'm not going to believe that. You guys, whatever. I don't know. You're all imagining it. Somehow you all drank some weird Kool-Aid here, you know, and and you're just, whatever. I'm not going to believe this. And so we find ourselves in John chapter 20, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. Does the same thing again. Only this time, Thomas is there. And Jesus in verse 27 appears in this room. Lots of people here. But he's got his eyes on one. And he looks to Thomas, and he says, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Imagine sticking it out with your friends. <sighs> They've all experienced something that you haven't and probably deep down secretly you wish you had. Could it possibly be true that Jesus is alive? I can't even bring myself to believe it, to have hope again. I've been so devastated on the inside by this. And here you are, you know, you're, you're, you're with everybody. You're in that room again. The door's locked. Maybe people are praying. Maybe they're eating. Maybe people at this point, maybe, are there, is there any kind of laughter, you know, any levity? We don't know. But we know that Jesus shows up, and he shows up again, just like he did previously. And he addresses everybody, and he says, peace to all of you. In other words, you know, my peace I give you the the kind of peace that can only come from Jesus, that rest on the inside, that it's going to be okay. But instead of just addressing everybody, Jesus shows up, he he, he gives peace to, to them all and then he finds Thomas. And he repeats back to Thomas the exact phrasing that Thomas had just used for why he wasn't going to believe unless he gets this, he's just not going to believe. And what is it that Jesus says? He says, put your finger here. Isn't that what you needed? Thomas, come here, put your finger here. Touch my side. Look at the nail holes. See, see, Jesus in this moment, oh, he met the needs of everyone in this moment. But we also see how specifically and detailed and gracious and lovingly he meets the needs of the one. When the Bible talks about Jesus as our great shepherd and and the lost sheep and that Jesus leaves the ninety nine. To go get the one. That is the Jesus that, that we talk about. And on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, that is the Jesus that we celebrate. Jesus died for the sins of the world, but he also died for your sins. And Jesus gives hope to everybody who feels hopeless, but he brings hope to you, to you, specific in your situation, in your context, in your time frame. Your scenario isn't too dark for Jesus to turn on the lights. It's not too lost for you to be found. It's not so broken that God can't bring healing. There is always hope in Jesus. He is the hope that you need for today, and one of the reasons he is the hope that you need is because he knows what you need, and he alone has the power to do something about it. He is the Jesus, he is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who whooped death, the one who kicked Satan in the jaw. And did what no man could do in that he defeated death and he stepped out of the grave victorious. And this is what the Bible, this is what Peter says in the book of first Peter. He says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into what a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead you and i have not just a hope not just a not just a you know a moment from back then a good story or a good account or a great Bible verse to refer to that you know helps us out every once in a while. Remember something that God did back then? No, 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 you have something that's different. It's called a living hope, meaning the hope of Jesus wasn't just for then, it is for now, it is alive, it is at work. Jesus is still moving and those who feel hopeless can have hope today and Resurrection Sunday reminds us that the God of the impossible moves and makes the impossible possible that is easter sunday and it's in his great mercy that he has brought you and me into that living hope today because of jesus you can have hope You can have hope because of even in the condition of your soul, Jesus died for your sins. You can have hope today. And whatever situation that you're facing that feels impossible, God is bigger than it. And you can have hope for that today as well. Jesus is at work. He is our living hope. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you in this moment for the power of the resurrection. And I thank you for a living hope that you give us today. You know exactly what we need. And you alone have the power to meet that need. Jesus, we thank you first and foremost for what you did for us by taking our sins upon yourself and taking our punishment that we deserved, you went to the cross on our behalf. You died the death that we deserved. And yet, God, in your infinite wisdom, in your plan for Jesus, that Jesus stepped out of the grave victorious because he was perfect. He was victorious, strong. And your word reminds us that when we put faith in this Jesus, we have that same resurrection life moving inside of us. And because of that, we have hope. And today we choose that hope. We put our faith in you afresh today on Resurrection Sunday. And Jesus, we pray even today, as many who are watching are going through situations and scenarios, and maybe they feel hopeless. God, the same, the, 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 the same God who sent Jesus and brought hope to the hopeless, then is the same God who's at work right now. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would bring hope to our hopeless situations. Your resurrection power and the resurrection story reminds us that that's what you do and that that is who you are. And so God, bring hope today. Be our living hope. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Happy Easter church. It's great to worship with you online today. Have a great day celebrating the resurrection of Jesus.